Al, I'm horny. What are you going to do about it? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. What's up, guys? This is the Married with Children Podcast, and here we are with a Patreon-exclusive Spotlight on Steve Rhodes, a.k.a. David Garrison Special. Uh, my name is Al, the guy who gets chicks in the back of Mustangs. And I am joined by the girl who was giving Kelly tap dancing lessons, Jamie. What's up, Jamie? I am excited to be here. Kind of bittersweet, I guess, considering what you know why we're doing this special, but... It should be fun. Yeah, it's a sad moment, but luckily... Uh, now, Dan can't join us. He might be joining us later. But to brighten things up on this sad occasion, we have the number one Steve fan in history himself, the guy who's wearing his clapping hat on this special occasion, Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Let's go, team. I'm not crying. You're crying. Now, are you just wondering how many miles a gallon you could save if you... Go into second gear a little sooner. I, you know, I don't understand anything about a car. <laughs> <laughs> I have not driven a Ford lately. You have not. But I thought you used to be a guy before you met Mercy. Yeah, used to. Oh, wow. Actually. I ran a, I ran a marathon once. Yeah, staring at a chick's ass the whole time will make that a lot easier to do. Yep, it's Jerry Herring, the guy from Married Children Podcast, episode 1 to 65. Wow, good to have you back on, man. Good to be back. I'm glad to uh, be here and uh, to be here with you and, of course, the new and improved uh, version of myself, Jamie. Aw, I wouldn't say that. New, sure, but I wouldn't say improved. Unless you call boobs an improvement. I usually do. I do. (laughs) So, <laughs> Jamie, you're not obsessed with anybody. Oh, you're sort of into Kelly, so that's cool. Kelly's my girl, yeah. Yeah, okay. I gotta get more obsessed. I'm too well-rounded. I have to I have to focus on one person. Um, I'd suggest Steve, but we all know why we're here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have much to say for the next uh, <laughs> 195 episodes. Okay, well, obviously, like I said, this is a Steve... Uh, you know, we're shining the spotlight on Steve. As you all know, um, <clears throat> we just finished up Rock and Roll Girl. That was Steve's last appearance. As a regular cast member, his departure is finally uh, brought to light in You Gotta Know When to Fold Him, Part 1. So we're in the middle of it all right now. We are at that point where Steve did his last appearance. He's off the show. Now, we all know David Garrison, as we mentioned before. He left the show to do live theater. When we interviewed Amanda Burst, she said that, you know, he just didn't want to play the same character every single night. 
he wanted to just expand and do different things and stuff like that. So how do you guys feel about that right off the bat? Uh, David Garrison's reasonings for leaving the show. I mean, I get it. Like, as an actor, you want to, like, do as much as possible. You don't want to get typed. That's probably, like, that's the problem when you get on a show. If the TV show is good, it will last for years. You will play the exact same character. And I guess for him, that just was not good enough. He wanted to, like, you. he has a love for acting that went beyond what the TV show could give him, which is unfortunate for me. But I can respect it. I mean, he's not the first person in history to walk away from a role for the very same reason. I can't really blame him. However, I'm the kind of person who would ride that paycheck until it ran out. (laughs) And uh, I would try to do other acting gigs during the hiatus because that's what they're for. Yeah. (sighs) I guess you can't do live theater on hiatus. But like because like you probably be able to do a movie or two. But I guess with live theater, you really can't. So I guess if you wanted to make your career live theater, you would kind of have to walk completely away. I mean, I don't see why not if you did like, I mean, you'd have to be very specific about the roles that you chose and when it was running. I don't know, you could do summer stock or something like that. I just, I don't know, as in gigs are so tough to get, like really sturdy, long running you know, solid gigs are hard to get as an actor. I don't think if I had something like a series in my face that I could walk away from that. Especially one that jumped in popularity like Married with Children did in season three. And, you know, eventually they do all end and then you can do other things. But I mean, hey, he made he made his decision. That was what he wanted to do with his life and how that worked out for him. I don't know because I never heard anything from him after that. So I don't I don't know. I maybe it was everything he wanted it to be. I have no idea. Uh well, um let's see. Looking at his credits, <clears throat> let's see he left in 90. His credits from there. Uh he didn't work on stage until 95, which makes no sense. That's on Wikipedia. His he worked in Die Flatter Moss in 86. Then 95 was his next job, Randy Newman's Faust. Then I Do, I Do, Titanic in 97. That's weird. He did an onstage uh, version of Titanic. Uh, The Bells Are Ringing in 2001, Twelfth Night in 2002, Travesties in 03, Wicked in 05. At least we heard of that one. Oh, he's still working in uh, 2013, Oliver, 15, The Visit. Uh, and 2017, Kid Victory. So, I mean, I guess he's still doing stage even today. Let's go to television now. Well, that's good for him. I mean, you know, I wonder what happened between 90 and 95, though. I mean, did it take him five years to, or was he, did he take a hiatus? Maybe he wanted to take a break. Well, according to this, he was on L.A. Law and On the Town. Uh, that's PBS Great Performances in 92 and 3. So that's what he did in between. In 95, he was on Murphy Brown. Then he was on Murder, She Wrote. Then Tom Clancy's Op Center. So he did all these like weird bit parts on television still. It looks like it fleshed out his career. He works pretty much almost... He's a, I guess he's a... I guess you could say a, a steady working actor. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. To some degree. He was in 30 Rock, NYPD Blue, The West Wing... Without a Trace, Everybody Loves Raymond, Ed, Judging Amy, Law and Order. Okay. 
but those were all like one year's worth of stuff. You know what I've always wondered? If you're a fan of an actor, like a serious fan, would you track down and watch like every episode of every series they're in? Like, and just watch that single episode just for their like single scene? I'm going to guess no, because what I come to realize is it's a, well, I don't know. It depends because it's a, it's a really um, fine line because I thought I was fans of actors and then once I see them out of the or headspace or whatever, the whole aura of whatever made me fall in love with them to begin with, I realized that I sort of just like him as that character. Because hmm. it made me think of uh, any time like on the show when we bring up um, like what other movies or TV shows these act these bit actors are in. And then you, we turn around and go, oh, well, Steve Garrison did that. Hmm. And it just makes me go, I wonder if anyone's a big enough fan that they were like, I've got to see everything he's done. I don't know. Also, I said Steve Garrison. So yeah, I heard that. Do you but... know I said that too on the uh, taxing problem show? Yeah, I hear. I just don't correct people when they say stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you heard me say that? <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if like they wrote it wrong in IMDb and I just read because I'm trying to blame somebody else. Um, if I just read what they said. <laughs> I have no idea why I just mixed up both the names, but, you know, there you go. I'm clicking it right now and hoping that this person wrote Steve Garrison. That right there is the reason that David Garrison got out of this character. Because <laughs> people kept calling him Steve and he was tired of it. He's like, that is not my name. No, this one says David Garrison. Okay. Uh, nope. It was my fault. You know, I did that as far as following the actor. I did that for a little while with Orlando Bloom after Legolas. Oh, yeah. I'd follow him. Yeah, right off the plank. That I followed. And Nathan Fillion. I followed him for a while. But then, oddly, when Nathan Fillion got Castle, like his actual own show, I didn't watch it. How weird is that? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. Wow. Now, uh, can you explain why? I don't know. I have no idea. I just never did. Well, so what are you saying, Jerry? Would you do you think you might uh, now that you have the Internet at your fingertips, uh, you have a much better shot than a regular person who just has to catch something on TV once in their life or, or it's gone. Do you think you're going to go and look him up in other shows or movies? Well, my problem is I don't want to watch a, you know, a 30-minute television show for a, a minute of Garrison. Like, I don't know. If, like, that doesn't equal out to me. If he had done movies or, like, played bigger roles, then I probably would go watch him. I'd actually be more interested in seeing his stage work. So, no, I wouldn't go and watch an episode of Murder, She Wrote to see him for two minutes. Yeah, I could see that that would be unfulfilling. Like I said, and, and it would be like... He would just be playing a, a lawyer or something, and what are you going to do? See him at his desk talking to a client for 20 seconds? and just sitting there like, the only desk you should be at is at a bank. <laughs> if it was a Law & Order episode, he could be doing anything. He could be, like, digging a ditch. You know, he could be... Oh, wow. Um, di digging a hole. They're always digging. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> They're always digging on that show. Like, like, they'll randomly come up and talk to to somebody, and... They're, they're, Saturday Night Live did a great skit about that years ago, by the way. It was so funny. But they always catch people on the job for, like, that three-minute talk, and then they, like, move on, and they're always digging, and it's weird. 
you know, kind of like, like with an S in uh, Law and Order SBU, how it's always like a construction worker on the sidewalk. Yes, exactly. And they'll walk up to him, and and he'll just keep digging, and he'll stop for a second, and he'll say, "Well, I seem to recall." And then, yeah. don't do. So, Steve, this is what you did after the pet store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe he'd be working in a pet store. Oh, they're tracking him down for that egg. Oh, wow. Look at this guy watching future episodes. Who the hell do you think you are? Uh, I may or may not have poured myself some wine and lit a candle <laughs> and watched uh, some future four future episodes <laughs> while crying. Wow. Holy crap. Well, okay, so, <laughs> you know, it's funny you guys talk about digging ditches. I was just watching the 1966 Batman show, and I have a riddle for you guys from the Riddler. What gets bigger the more you take away from it? A hole. Oh, it's that easy? I thought Robin was really smart. I was going to say my <laughs> podcasting career. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I actually almost bought a uh, little uh, statue bust of Eggman from... Uh, that Batman show. Oh, I I price. did buy it. I bought oh, it. Oh, you did it. Oh, I saw it the other day and it was like sixty bucks, and I was like, man, I want this, but I'd rather have it like it be like Doctor Fives or something. I'm. It's Egghead. Yeah, I I might have paid roughly sixty because it can go. Those busts go anywhere from like fifty to sixty five or whatever. So <clears throat> I figure I'll, you know, <clears throat> a lot of reasons I buy stuff is because I'm just afraid that if I wait, it'll just go up in value. <clears throat> so I look like a hoarder or whatever, like a crazy collector, but it's just me being smart. No, that's true. I got a book recently that apparently has shot up in value. Oh, wow. And I'm going to wait and sell it for even more money because it's is signed by the Brian's author. Books? It is. <laughs> no. he, he was like, he was like this, movie, this book shot up in price, and I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to give you guys a little wiki knowledge here for uh, – Garrison has also appeared in numerous roles on television. In 84 through 85, he starred as Norman Lamb on the sitcom It's Your Move, opposite of Jason Bateman. In 1987, uh, Garrison landed his best-known role, portraying Steve Rhodes as the next-door neighbor to the Bundy family on the popular sitcom Married with Children. Garrison enjoyed his years playing Steve, but he missed performing in live theater and left the show after four seasons. He was a regular on an NBC sitcom Working It Out shortly after his exit on Married with Children. Nonetheless, Garrison parted on good terms, returning four times in subsequent seasons and a reunion special. Detailing the career Rhodes had pursued since last been seen. He even parodied his own role on the show, Nikki. Whatever that means. So, I guess if you guys look up the Marriage Children reunion uh, clips and stuff like that, it, Steve, The whole thing is on YouTube. Yeah. I remember that from years ago when it happened. It was probably like 2007, though. So, I watched it uh, this morning, actually. And it's really weird because in a recent uh, episode of Married with Children, you uh, made a joke about Michael Jackson. And uh, during the entire – like the one I watched on YouTube has commercials and everything. And apparently there was this big like two-hour interview with Michael Jackson that was going on. <laughs> and so that kept showing up and I'm like, of course, I just hear Alex mention this on Married with Children. <laughs> I go to watch a Married with Children reunion and they're talking about Michael Jackson. I remember that interview. Oh, was that the Ali Bashir interview? 
Uh, I don't know. It's more where they kept going. Uh, when our cameras turned off, Michael Jackson's cameras turned on, and it was apparently his footage from an interview. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, no, that is because he was trying to prove that the guy uh, skewed everything to make him look like a insane child molester who sleeps with kids. Isn't that yep, weird? That's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird that he could do that so easily. I think if I did a, a five-hour interview, I don't think you could skew it that way. But okay. Uh, <laughs> it's all about the edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And you know that more than anyone, Alex. That's true. Look how good I look on every show. And I make you guys look like crap. Just to juxtapose me. That's all it is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I make everybody look good. So, uh, David Garrison is now 65 years old. His birthday is June 30th. He was born in 1952 in Long Branch, New Jersey. That's right. I go to his birthplace every single summer. Be jealous. Because I am, and you've never you've never invited me. Uh, I didn't know you. Oh, okay. Except for last year. Oh. You go there because it's his birthplace, or you just have yes. Should I sound like an insane fan and say yes? Sadly, no. There's a nice beach there. He puts okay. on his Chicago Do Bears. They have hat. like a statue in his honor or anything. There should be. And it should have that clapping hat attached to it. Damn it, no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, Maybe so... Maybe it'll have a beard. Yeah, a beard. Wow. Okay, let's talk about... Uh, well, let's do some broad strokes about uh, Steve's character arc. Um, so I basically went through all the episodes and I kind of like just highlighted, like I said, broad strokes of stuff and see if... Um, we all could sort of tell that it was going here. I mean, obviously, in reality, it was not. You know, the writers didn't say, hey, listen, let's create a four-year character arc where this guy gets sick of his wife and he leaves. That's obviously not what happened. They were just a couple for three seasons, and then somewhere in season four, he's, he decided to leave. So then they had to write around that. So in the pilot episode, they're bickering right off the bat. Like, Al and Peg get them to start making fun of each other's, like, in-laws right away. That shows you they were a bad influence to begin with. Yeah, the, actually, I'll say this. For the fact that they did not write um, the ending of Steve very well at all anyway, when you go back and watch, like, those early episodes, it almost feels like they're setting it up mm -hmm. from back then. Like, that Steve is going to change because of al right there's well, some tricks in the armor yeah there are a lot of mm -hmm. examples throughout the show's run where he hangs out with al and al is subsequently a bad influence in marcy's eyes and then it causes a rift between steve and marcy even if it's only for the one episode so it's like al is a disease almost like a thumbtack bouncing off your forehead. Yeah, because you know what? When you look at the Peggy and Marcy together, they're like um, – look at, for instance, when they're fighting over the whose room is it anyway. Marcy's uh, influence that she gets from Peg is not nearly as damaging to the relationship as Al's influence on Steve. Right, and in that episode, you could cite that Steve gave up his dream of a pool room to compromise with Marcy and have a sitting room. I think the overall statement there is that men are weak-willed. 
<laughs> and easily led. Uh, depends where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes things seem really appealing. Yeah, I, that's that's absolutely true. Um, Chris Rock used to say, "A man is only as faithful as his options." There's a lot of truth to that, and it seems like whenever a guy gets in a mode and he's with his buddies, and all of a sudden that seems like the whole universe right there, and you're forgetting the feelings and thoughts of everybody, especially your wife, which is a, a perfect uh, encapsulation of whose room is it anyway. I mean, Steve didn't even consider Marcy in the least when he was uh, thinking of this pool room, you know. To sort of step back, one a, a little bit of a highlight to Steve right away. Bella, his dog, gets shot in the head by Al. That was a pretty big Steve episode. And the biggest highlight, and especially for our podcast, because I think that's where the three of us started to gel, was have you driven a Ford lately? Something just began to click with uh, Jerry, Justin, and myself. And then the show seemed like, okay, I think these guys are found, finding their niche you know, I got a couple emails about it that said that. And uh, so that was cool. And it was it was cool because it was a Steve episode. Basically, Steve showed a cooler side of him that he was, you know, he's he's down and he's he's going to have sex with Marcy in the backseat of a Mustang. I mean, nobody has a problem with that, right? No, that was uh, that was good times. I remember in that episode how much I loved um, when they're talking about going to get food and he's like, I'm going to have a steak. And Marcia's like, we're vegetarian. He goes, I'm working on a car. <laughs> now, Jamie, is that one of the highlight episodes that I told you about? Yes. And it was also an old favorite episode of mine. Ah, nice. Honestly, whenever I think back to married with children, other than the, the favorites that I have listed in the past, that is uh that's one that I often think of. And specifically, a couple of things for whatever reason. One, them going to get the ashtray. <laughs> and then two, their their fantasies about driving the car when oh. it's complete. And around that time, I guess it was a little bit later, we had a friend of the family who had a 64 and a half Mustang for sale that he had renovated. Uh, renovated. That he had. <laughs> re, re What is it? I don't know. He fixed it up. Ah, no, but there's a word. Restored. I know. Restored. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? <laughs> I know. I, that's crazy. Uh, that, that he had restored and he was going to sell it to me, but my dad wouldn't let me buy it because he's like, oh, you won't respect the automobile. <laughs> uh, really? I wanted that car so bad. Because of the episode you wanted? No, 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 no. Um, just, it just, I just love, I still to this day love Mustangs, older Mustangs. I don't like the newer ones, but older Mustangs, I've always loved them. Always, always, always. And swore that one day I would own one. Still haven't. But anyway, so I just, uh, I don't know, that episode always stuck out to me because I get it. You know, I get wanting that, oh, yeah. that classic Mustang. That was always a highlight episode to me. It was some of it was the car, some of it was the great writing, but a lot of it was Alan Steve bonding over something. Because, you know, listen, <laughs> this show is like ruthless and we all love to see these jabs and stuff like that and Al going after Marcy, Marcy going after Al, but don't you still love when Al and Marcy are sitting in a bar together? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what rounds out the show. That's what makes things lived in. Like when you have those sides and it's not all one sided, it's balanced. And you have those moments and stuff like that. So Al and Steve sort of always had this odd, like minor clashing type thing because Al thought Steve was a weenie. Uh, I know, Jerry, a weenie with 50 bucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was that your next line? Yeah, pretty much. I, or, I, I was a weenie with $150. <laughs> Uh, but Steve did reaffirm he's a weenie in the poker game. You have to admit that part. Today it'd be like a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know what? The poker game was my uh, third favorite episode of season one, mm. and I still love the the story arc in that game um, because it sets up something that we actually do get to continue to see, where it's Steve thinking he's better at something than Al is, being condescending to him, and then him losing to Al and then having to do something like completely unmanly to get back. Like, and and, and that's the thing that happens with Steve a lot where he will condescend to Al, get beat by Al and then have to do something completely opposite of manly to like fix it. Right. And so the poker game was that, and that's still one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, that is tough. Uh, you know, I don't take anything too seriously. So when Steve did show his weenie side, like, I really don't care. It's funny to me. And I know that's kind of Steve's overall thing. So uh, I don't really look down on him for that. It's all in in the sake of comedy. So that's cool to me. Uh, that was a good episode. It showed different aspects and sides and situations to everybody. I I do agree with everyone's decisions except for Steve's in that episode. Uh, and I love how it all ended with Steve thinking he's getting his money back, but even Peg had cared less because Al bought her something. Uh, so even even her uh, cries for uh, in the sake of Steve land nowhere. Because in the end, Peg Bundy only cares about herself. If you haven't figured that out. Let's go to season two and do a broad stroke uh, thing here. So uh, uh, unless you have any more season one. Do you? Uh, the, the married without children is a fun Steve and Marcy episode. Just seeing them deal with the children seeing. I wouldn't say it's a strong episode like for them character wise because it, it goes into something that we never really see again. But it is a very fun Steve and Marcy episode. Yeah, it highlights the idea that they couldn't rally Bud and Kelly in. It goes. It goes it, with them thinking they can do something, and then finding out that they can do something better than Al and right. Peggy, and then finding out no, they cannot. They thought that they could even be better parents because why not? They're more intelligent. They have they have better upbringing, better breeding, and everything. But nope. When you're uh, the parents of two basically wild animals who are halfway caged, uh, you're just as hopeless as the Bundys are, basically. To be fair, though, they came into that late, and Bud and Kelly were already Bud and Kelly by that point. It's weird to think that you could just, like, come in and, and uh, <laughs> what did Marcy say? We're, we're friends or something? Don't call us this. We're your friends? <laughs> yeah, trying to do the whole buddy-buddy thing with them. Yeah. And, uh, th- that just ended up with her meeting someone who <laughs> just human life means nothing to them. <laughs> No, it does not. So let's go to season two. Alley of the Dolls, the the bowling episode, showed us that a burp makes you a Bundy. Steve was able to 
morph into a, a Bundy just by a simple burp. That's good acting right there. Yeah, you know, his his ancestors could read and write. That That's what makes him not a Bundy. <laughs> so uh, the Razor's Edge, one of Jamie's uh, favorite Steve episodes. Uh, Steve refuses to shave his beard even with Marcy withholding sex. So, that episode I absolutely love because we get to see Steve stand his ground. We get to see Steve's influence he's gotten from Al where he wants to be more manly, more rugged. But at the end of the day, his weakness is sex with his wife because for some reason he does find Marcy attractive. Th- that's an episode that is in my top five easily. I keep thinking, how funny would it would it have been if when she drops that trench coat at the end, shows him the razor, and then walks toward home, if he had just like slammed the door and turned back around? <laughs> <laughs> you I are think evil. That would have been so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <sighs> and then, like, she'd come back. And you know that thing that she, that Marcy does where she stands there like with her arms straight at her sides and she's like looking down her nose at you and she's all pissed off. You know that look I'm talking about? I'm about to start like, talking about some Hellraiser shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been some fun. That would have been funny. But because she'd be all mad. Like you want it to to end well for them, but you know how it inevitably ends up. So it's kind of. So it's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that I love that episode, too. And one of the things I like about it is that, you know, Steve, I forgot the particulars, but Steve was away with his buddies, I believe, for a, a week or so. And then he came back with this growth, and it kind of represented his time out with the guys. I totally get that, especially if you all grew it, and then maybe as you're all shaking hands, uh, you know, at the adios of it all, and you're like, Hey, man, you shaving that thing? Nah, I think I'm going to keep it. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, me too, man. It's kind of cool. And, you know, and then you all of a sudden you have this other type of bond. We're like, yeah, we're now we're growing our beards, you know. And it's like – it's just like a guy thing. And it's like um, – it's pretty cool. And it's cool that Steve could get down on that level too. You know, he was camping in that episode. He, he had went out camping with his friends. And uh, you know what? This actually speaks to his leaving because – you could go you could say that the shaving of his beard is him once again turning his back on what he wants to do uh with his life and be part he's a wilderness man or a rodeo clown whatever you want to call him uh and him shaving the beard to conform to how Marcy wants him to be is him turning away from his dream and it's set up in this episode what if you're ser- if you're absolutely correct and they were camping you're absolutely sure I'm almost I he was doing something outdoorsy. Yeah. It was camping or fishing or something like that because he was wearing flannel, he grew a beard. Right. Um I want to say he had like um a bag on the on his back or something, a camping bag or a sleeping bag or something like that. Um so I'm almost positive. And but this right here it, it it's like I said, it's one of those things where it's like when you go back and look at these early episodes and you know he that he eventually leaves it almost feels like they really did write this arc in and they just did a sloppy job when they ended it. Wow, but it almost is forgivable with what you just said. Almost like he couldn't. He knew if he actually had the battle with Marcy, he would lose. That's why he just had to leave the note that he was going to go be a... a um... 
Yeah, I, I do. I do want to get into that. Let's not get into that right now because I do want to get into his approach. Incidentally, I am not on Marcy's side in that beard. I'm, you know, honestly, she's like I've said in the past, she's a little shrewish for me. I'm rarely on her side, but if your man wants to grow a beard, let him grow a beard. Why? I, who am I to get to tell him no? He can't. You know, would I expect him to be able to? berate me for how i wanted to wear my hair or my makeup you know what it's funny uh when when i started dating reese i told her i was like there's really only two things that i would like you to not do and i'll equal the balance out where you can tell me two things you would not like me to do look wise and like we've always kept that like she like even though she never really gave me anything but i think that's just because she's She's into, like, weird white homeless guys. Um, <laughs> but, like, for her, like, uh, I don't like septum piercings. Uh, that's the, the one in the middle of the nose. The Like a bullhorn? A bull yeah. Like, I just don't like septum piercings. I, I, I just I can't just stop thinking of, of a pig. Okay. So I just don't <laughs> like them. And then she already had her ears gauged out some, and I just didn't want her to go crazy. So I was like, don't, don't gauge your ear so much that it blows out. Okay. And you have a penis ear. <laughs> I have to agree with you. So those are like well, the only two. Other than that, I was like, tattoo what you want, pierce what you want, whatever. I don't care. He asked me uh, not too long ago. He's like, would you like me to grow a beard? And I said, I don't care. Do what you want. And he's like, well, would you like it? And I said, baby, I I love you regardless. You know, whatever you want to do. It's your face. And I think Jerry loves uh, Reese regardless. But what if she came home with a tattoo of Brian on her arm? <laughs> I would be like, you know what? You're fake. You've never even read one of his books. <laughs> you. <laughs> you don't know anything about him. Okay. <laughs> uh, amazing. Real quick, the Razor's Edge, he was at a, a week-long rafting trip. And that, to me, is outdoorsy. Yeah, there you go. See, yeah, it is outdoorsy. It's him doing... Yeah, you can't do that in the hallway. Right? Like, they set up him being outdoorsy, so, like, later on when they do his whole leaving the bank thing, which we'll get into, you can look back and be like, oh, it was there the whole time. I am truly impressed. That is a, an amazing piece together, guys. I bet nobody thought of that. I'm looking at him right now, actually. He has his his Marty McFly life preserver. The dork thinks he's going to drown. Well, see, as it turns out, originally they were going to have him leave and become an RV salesman, but they went back. Someone reminded them about this episode, and they're like, oh, man, we can't do that. I don't know if that's true or not right now. It is not true. <laughs> For some reason, I can just kind of picture Steve selling an RV. That's I don't feel like that's – like if that would have – if he would have stayed on the show and that would have been like one of his random jobs – like if they would have continued the season with him doing random jobs – that is one job I could see him doing. Actually, I could too. I'm, I kind of like him just changing the paper under the birdcage myself, but okay, if you guys have higher aspirations, that's not Yeah, good. but there's politics in that, and you don't want to get into that. Yeah, someone will be holding his bird one day, so. Ugh. Earth Angel is another uh, sign that uh, Marcy's hold was slipping a little bit. Uh, Steve is calling Tiffany. At the Bundy house. Now, I guess we should give him some credit. He didn't go over there so he could, you know, Google at her, right? So that's kind of cool that he was calling her because he was actually interested in her intellect. Yeah, he was the only one that didn't want to pay to look at her. He just wanted to call to talk to her about art and shit. It was very strange. How come he's not, like, uh, raking Al's yard? 
I mean, I'm he's... starting to like it was uh was Earth Angel Earth Angel was after Girls Just Want to Have Fun Part One and Two, right? Um, yep, it is. Yes, it is. Yep. He's watching. Uh, he's with Al and he's watching the chick work on the refrigerator really bad. Oh yeah. And you have once again that influence of Al on him, but but in Earth Angel you don't have. He 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 once again kind of looks down on Al, but then technically does the same thing just mentally instead of physically, which oh, yeah. might be worse for some, like uh, me personally. If it's between being cheated on mentally and being cheated on physically, like you getting your love, like your emotional support from someone else, like to me that's worse. Well, he was intellectually stimulated more. Yeah, so like this. he like. That to me is much worse. Like if I was Marcy, I'd be more pissed about that. See, I'm shallow. I'd be more pissed if a guy's, uh, you know, penis was involved. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, th- I'm shallow that way. But I do know what you mean, and I suppose I could, I could have that insecurity. But I don't know. It doesn't really occur to me. I'm, I'm more of like, if you touched, then there's more of a problem here. <laughs> that's the shallow of me but that's fine shallow owl <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you're not gonna have a problem when when your wife comes home and hands you uh this blonde wig and tells you to <laughs> pretend you're king arthur are you get upstairs oh no yeah no well i'd rather she gave me a like a biker vest and just said uh pretend you're jacks th- it was it was renaissance fair week so eh, well, she was influenced i get it hey listen <laughs> i'm accommodating that way so guys and dolls um <clears throat> goes to the ends of the earth looking for marcy's barbie doll like that shows me that there's still something there uh he's been slipping a lot um, this is after Earth Angel, after she put her ring down Zoro's pants, but Steve's in it for the long haul. So this kind of brings us back, it grounds us again, and shows us that, well, hey, listen, no marriage is perfect, but they still love each other deep down. Yeah, and I think that's also shown by what he does at the end of uh, the ring down Zoro's pants fiasco. Hmm. <laughs> you know, with him just handing the ring back and not... Oh, first he says nothing, right? Yeah. Then he goes, so, you lost your ring down Zoro's pants. Thinking back on it, I'm kind of upset we really didn't get uh, more after that. What do you mean? Like, like more... it was a great last joke for the episode. Right. But I kind of want to know what the response was from Marcy. Like, I'm going to start writing fan fiction for <laughs> things I want to see happen. Fell out the in between episodes, yeah. Yeah, like there were like with the few episodes we kind of rewrote while we were reviewing them. <laughs> like I'm just gonna start a whole fan fiction thing. Yeah, like your uh, what was it the Gypsy Cried you rewrote? Oh, my whole theory, my uh, uh sh- my theory on the Gypsy Cried about uh, oh man, the card. What was it the uh, the the card meaning to hang it upside down from a tree or something like yeah, that? I gotta go back and listen to that episode. That that was. Like, it's a highlight for you. We should have a whole Jerry show, a highlight sp- spotlight of Jerry. It'll last five minutes, guys. <laughs> we'll talk about it in court. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, impotent. Uh, oh, Steve God. fakes impotence. Uh, that, that's a huge change in the man we once knew. He takes... This is the beginning of the end. 
Yeah, and he takes pleasure in doing it, even to the point where he's like, hell, I might not get it fixed for a month. You know, like that is another level here. Turn the temperature down just one degree. Now, Jamie, if Brian ever asked you to, to if you could lower the temperature one degree, what would you say to him? <laughs> I would get up and do it. Whoa. Hey, do you know how to make beef Wellington and baked Alaska? Actually, yes. You do? <laughs> Jamie, yes. did you hear what we, oh, did you hear that show? Because we are all dying to sample this cuisine. Can you please uh, get some dry ice? <laughs> <laughs> And send that on over here. Anyone who's ever watched Hell's Kitchen knows how to make Wellington. That's that's one of the staple dishes on that show. Yeah. Oh, hmm, I guess I didn't watch it. <laughs> so what about baked Alaska? That's the dessert part, right? Yeah. Okay, and that's like what? Chocolate something? Didn't I think it was like made out of fish during the episode? <laughs> like, fish? I don't know. You say baked Alaska. To me, that sounds like a fish. Yeah. Ice fishing. Yeah. But either way, so what do you guys think about Steve, his huge change? That's a major character arc. That twist at the end where we find out that he was doing everything on purpose because Al gave him the idea Mm -hmm. is where you truly go, wow, Al has an influence on Steve and it really is going to start affecting the relationship. And from that point on, you do. You get more infighting between Steve and Mark. You get more of them disagreeing. Um... Like, uh, them disagreeing on, uh, Steve getting a visectomy, you know, little right throws in and out. But yeah, nothing compares to impotent. This is, uh, this was always one of my favorites as a kid growing up. I wonder if I knew what it really meant when I was majorly <laughs> into it. <laughs> or you just, you couldn't wait to wield that power. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just so taken by that episode. I, you know what it was? I'm pretty nostalgic that way. Like, uh, I remember my first Married with Children tape. My first episode I ever recorded was when Kelly moves out of the Bundy house. And she moves in with this uh, this girl, but Al thought she was moving in with a guy. It's this whole thing. That was my first episode I ever recorded. And I remember that the next, like, let's just say eight episodes on that tape. I wore those out so they were onion skin thin. Something clicked with me about this show, and I was just amazed at everything I was watching, and everything seemed amazing to me. And this was one of the episodes on there. So I watched this constantly, and it was a major Steve episode, and you would think that as a young kid I would be like, well, it's not the main people. Like, if you know, if it's a Simpsons episode and it's more about, like, Principal Skinner or Marge's sisters or whatever, even if they're marrying Sideshow Bob, you would still, like, sort of be like, well, I want the Simpsons, I want Bart and this and that. But no, Steve can hold his own, no pun intended, on this episode. I would go out to say that this is the greatest Steve episode. Wow. I would throw it down that this is the greatest Steve episode because it's right in the middle of his arc it's it's i won't argue with that it's really? and plus it's just a really good episode like you it can't like it is fantastic there's so much good in that episode that uh I, I went back and i watched a few episodes the other day to get ready for this and i watched impotent and i was sitting there like i think i should have marked this like i can't remember i didn't go look at my notes to see what i ranked it but, like, I feel like I would go back and I would, like, if this wasn't a five out of five, it was, I'd have to. Then least... something's wrong. You have to, you have to, what's it called? Uh... I'm revisionist history on this. Because <laughs> it's just such a good episode and it's such a great 
Steve moment. It it and it it represents what married with children is. It's about oh, yeah. Al and his relationship with his wife and his kids and his family, and it shows him using that influence on an outside force and seeing that start working. You know, basically. Okay, so if Steve is the new modern day uh, man, then Al is classic man. And Al is going to make sure that there is a fall of Western civilization for the modern day man. And this episode is his like the, his first win in that war because he lost the, the, the beard war. Not even a picture of of his of uh, Peggy's mother could win that. Right. How could that not win it? Yeah, it could not win. Like what if remember when Jamie was talking about her ending? What if uh he shut the door on Marcy and then pulled out that picture and was just like, the beard stays. Yeah, he should have. Oh, that would have been great. He should have pulled out and then and then did a basically said again the same response he gave to Al when he showed him the picture the first time. He pulled out and said, <laughs> I'm good. And then just like walked on into the living room. But yeah, but so yeah, oh man, we could rewrite Married with Children. Uh, so, but Impotent is Al's first win in that war because so far Al has lost almost every single time. He, he lost who's the, whose room is it anyway? Whose room he lost uh, the uh, giving Zorro's ring. He lost that one. He he loses constantly but not this time. He lost Driven oh no not Driven of four not because of anything uh, else. Just the police. I mean he lost that one but I wouldn't say that was a him influencing like he won influencing Steve in that episode right. but that was a minor thing. It didn't really affect anything. In fact, it worked out for Marcy in her benefit. But in this one, it does not work out for Marcy. And it works out for Steve. And there's no bad ending for Al. He gets a laugh out of it. And they even have that chuckle at the end, which I used for the uh, the uh, thumbnail of the episode. Yeah, so in hindsight, this episode is a monumental episode. I cannot disagree. You're basically backing up what I said earlier about my tape. It is great. Impotent, maybe Steve's shining moment. We'd like uh, live. Love to hear what you guys think. Uh, all of the very generous uh, patrons of the show, thank you again. You guys are awesome. You know what goes into the show. You're uh, supporting it. We love you. You deserve this episode. You deserve this highlight of Steve. Everybody actually deserves this highlight of Steve. So hopefully everyone who listens to our show listens to this. If you're the first time Patreon, then guys, check out everything else we've done. Video commentaries, season three wrap-up show. Season four wrap-up show will also be on here. So stick around. Yeah. Now, before we move on from Steve's highlight, I'd, I'd like to get into him as a person a little bit more before we move on to see because we got we got past the first two seasons and obviously there's two more so it's in the middle of it let's get to david garrison himself i already told you his birth date and location but did you know his middle name uh jerry bartholomew <laughs> no earl <laughs> oh uh, his height is five foot nine and a half. Now that's Gosh. such an actor to add the uh, the half. He's shorter than me. Is he? Yeah, because I'm five eleven. Oh wow, Steve's shorter than you. I always thought My he was so manly. My dad was five eleven. I am your dad. You didn't know? <laughs> well, then you're not dead. <laughs> he lives. I used to tell people that my dad was eleven foot five. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, yeah, uh, that's what he told me. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. When I was younger, I knew I was like four foot nine and I wanted to impress kids. <laughs> You're going to love this. So when they asked me how tall I was, I used to say I was 4'13". 4'13"? <laughs> <laughs> How how tall are you, Alex? I'm four thirteen or thirty seven. Garbage pail kids cards tall. I feel like you're a kid who would have measured himself in weird things. Oh my god! Yeah, I said I was four thirteen to impress everybody because I just never heard that number. I thought that it was like I thought it was like above everything. Cause it, <laughs> such an idiot. All right, so let's get to some trivia for Steve. Um, Steve is a licensed white. Water River Guide. So that's kind of interesting. He, he's he's living out the part. Yeah, I was about to say, Steve, uh, Steve definitely enjoys that white water rafting, and it looks like uh, the actual real Steve could have done that himself for you. Right. So maybe he did, like, when they said to him, like, well, what do you think about your character? What do you want to say you're leaving for? They did actually mention, um, I can't remember what I was watching, uh, but it was something for behind the scenes. And they actually did mention that because they wrote this role for David Garrison, like off the back, he was the first person cast. Yeah, remember Marcy even said that he was the. F- they knew about him more than anybody else. And so they also said that because they knew about his background and how much he actually did love the forest and the wilderness and stuff like that, that they wrote that into the character. Really? Yes. Um, it might be in the reunion show or the – I think it was the Bio Channel did a thing on Married with Children. That's on YouTube also. Um, and I, they may talk – is one of those they talked about it though. Yeah, it's it's obvious now. Wow, okay. He also graduated summa cum laude from Boston University College of Fine Arts. Who who came loud? He, uh, he did. Oh. Did you see recently where there was a – I want to say it was like Walmart, but it could be wrong. But there was some store bakery that censored a graduation uh, cake. Yeah, I did. Uh, no. It was supposed to say summa cum laude, and it said they had like dash, dash, dash instead of the cum. Oh, my God. They're so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I feel like that could have been a Married with Children episode right there. <laughs> Yeah, we we were always surprised at the stuff that got on TV in 1986 or uh, 87, 88, 89. Like like they would like Kelly was the one who was responsible of getting the cake and like so they blame her cuz they think she's just too dumb and she told them the wrong thing or something and it turns out like they had Yeah, and Al's like Peg, that's how you that's how you spell that. Yeah. Cuz Peg's kind of ditzy. Yeah, that it could have like 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 it would have been a play on how dumb and slutty Kelly is and then Peg believing it and then Al or you know Al being like no that's that's how it's supposed to be unless she said someone come loudly <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> then it would be like okay modern modern day married with children episodes married with grandchildren where are you at we, we got your writers right here and just keep them off Twitter and, and we're good yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she has a uh, she has a uh, the morals of an alley cat. So if she did write that on the cake, I w- I would totally buy it. Uh, Steve uh, Steve David Garrison has homes in New York and New Mexico. Um, he left Mara Children in 1986. That's not true. Who that is? Any of the rest of this stuff correct? He left Mara Children in 1986 to continue Broadway. Apparently, so guys, uh, what you've seen is all a lie. 
Um, I hate when I find out that we're in the Matrix. <laughs> Gershwin Theater in New York performing the role of Wonderful Wizard of Oz and Wicked on Broadway 2006. Garrison currently playing... I just read that. Why is that there twice? Okay. Well, that's all I have. So let's go back to the Marrow Children, which everybody wants to hear about, really. Uh, season three, I'm going to Sweatland, showed us that he has no control over his wife as she's riding the shoulders of a black man singing Viva Las Vegas. But he is a smart businessman. Because he was suing Al. Oh, oh, because the shoes, right. Al's going to be the, uh, he'll be the brains and the money and I'll be, Al will be in the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of our personal favorite episodes to ever do, um on this podcast that was the first episode i listened to with my mom (laughs) (laughs) we went all out oh my god elvis (laughs) oh yeah almost on the level of sam kennison in terms of like uh the way i want to bring whoever like is highlighted like a celebrity that's highlighted in an episode sometimes i like to go all out on that i think it really uh adds to the show and that was one of the ones that really did it and, it, and we did some good research, man. That was some good stuff. We had a lot of little tidbits about Elvis and things that gave more of a comedic aspect to the review overall. So it really... And didn't you listen to, like, Elvis for, like, a week straight? Mm-hmm. Every single song. Every one of his hits. a bunch of Elvis conspiracy documentaries on YouTube and not legit ones. Just crazy <laughs> people ranting. I just legit listen to Elvis all the time. Oh, do you like him? I love Elvis. Oh, my God. I used to be obsessed with his movies when I was a kid. Did you watch his beach movies and stuff? Yes. You know, one of his beach movies actually premiered on a double bill with a Godzilla movie back in the day. (laughs) That's an interesting pairing. That's awesome. Was it Godzilla Attacks the Beach? Uh, No, they they had no relation to each other just for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> the company putting them out was like, this will be a great double bill. Elvis and Godzilla, put it in theaters. It was mm. for like drive throughs or drive ins. Well, it's the, well, yeah, it's the king of rock and roll and the king of monsters. Oh, yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. If Michael Jackson had been around, they could have added the king of pop. Ooh, what was going pop when he was around? Oh. Children. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's cherries up there. Eh. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so the camp, let's get to the camping show. Um, that was a really big Steve episode because Steve booked the cabin. He showed us that he truly does love being an outdoorsman, and yet he harbors no hatred for the animals despite what they did to his Mercedes. Now, that's kind of big of him. Yeah, especially since considering what he did to his wife for just denting it. Right. I think he loves animals more than he loves his wife. Think about the juxtaposition here. He tortured Marcy, uh, for lack of better words, but animals. A moose's head was sticking out of his moonroof, and he still loves animals. He even bases his future. He goes to Jellystone National Park to become... uh, I'm sorry. I think it's probably Yellowstone. (laughs) No, no, Yosemite. Oh, right. Yosemite? (laughs) Oh, Oh, Yosemite. I forgot about that joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. The other one, the one. 
<laughs> and I have something to say about that whole uh, exchange. Like, it's great, but there's something that's uh, amiss with that whole exchange. But uh, I'll get to it uh, on the next show. Um, so, yeah, that that is great. He doesn't take it out on animals. He still has this whole thing with Bosco, he with the birds and everything else. So he does not take it out on animals. Um, so that's interesting, even though he took it out on Marcy. Good on him. Yeah, he was able to look past Klaus's first demise. Uh, surely you know, Jerry, that his car is named Klaus. Yes, uh, I don't know what kind of car it is. <laughs> but I know the name of it. Mm-hmm. So now we get to another big episode for Steve. It's not his episode, but it's I find it interesting about him. It, uh, her cups runneth over. Further examines how kinky his sex life is with Marcy and how it had to be to be turned on. Like, you know, they'd get their stuff from this place. Um, oh, God. How can I forget the name of the place they went to? It was like a Victoria's Secret. It was even like the name was sort of like an homage to that. Something like that. Uh, his need to seek sexual gratification in other places at the booths. So right there, Steve is not fully uh, sexually gratified by Marcy, we've come to find out. It's also kind of funny that Al is more well-behaved in this store than Steve is. Yeah, that... Like, Steve's supposed to be the upstanding gentleman, and Al's supposed to be, you know, the low-row guy. And yet it's it's Steve going to the booths. Right. Oh, and it was Francine's of Hollywood, by the way. That was the name of the store. And I did forget to actually mention that in the episode All in the Family in Season 2, that uh, Steve and Marcy have their big blowout when they were having a romantic night until Al comes in and puts all the stuff in their heads. Actually, all he said was something about his in-laws, and then Steve rambles on about the in-laws, and then she rambles on about the in-laws, and it just went... Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yep. Is that where he said, can't a man be a florist and still get some respect? So her cups runneth over. Yeah, Steve's going to booths, guys. Like, that's a major deviant behavior. Yeah, that's a, like, that... (laughs) I never did that. Even in that day and age when you, you know, didn't have it at the fingertips of your smartphone, to actually go to one of those booths, that's only, like, that. that's seedy. That is literally seedy. I've done it. You went to a booth? Mm Mm-hmm. Would you drop a quarter or something and then... Yeah, well, we were at this place... (laughs) I was with my old boyfriend, and we were in Brooklyn, and we were wandering around, and there was this shop. And they had those boots. And I have always wanted to go in one since I saw The Howling in 1981. Fair enough. I've wanted to, I was like, I I want to see what it's like. And he was like, no. And I'm like, let's go, please. So we did. And what did you think? Did you walk out feeling like you needed a shower? Or? Uh, well, I mean, it, the whole idea of being in there was pretty gross. Yeah, but. <laughs> did you slip on the way in or? I what? No, those people get paid. Did good you say money did I slip? Clean. Yeah, the guy used the squeegee. I know. Before you got <laughs> in, <there. Try. laughs> yeah, this place was pretty clean. <laughs> he went in after every third or fourth person, so you know they had high standards. I um, oh, wow. I was just so I don't know. I was so distracted by the fact that I was actually doing that that I didn't even. I expected it to be gross, so I wasn't like you know. You didn't get to enjoy it. No, no, no. Like, I you mean, didn't get it wasn't to relax. It wasn't like guess, 
yeah, no, it wasn't like a serious thing. Yeah. It was like uh, I've always wanted to know what yeah. what it was like, you know. Since this is Patreon exclusive, can I like say something more on the like seedier side or ask a question? Not like about that, but hey, listen, they're paying for it. I, it's up to them. Go ahead. Okay. Do you think Steve touched himself in the booth? Um, sure. If I really had a guess, I've had a gun in my head, and you'll pull the trigger if I'm wrong, I'd say yes. Okay, I, would, I, just, I don't say probably. Right? I mean, what else do people do there? I don't know. Jamie's the only one who's been in one. <laughs> <laughs> do they store it in their memory banks and go home with it, or could just save it up for later? I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be like turning down a chick who who's gonna give you a hand job, and you're like, no, 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 I'll think about it later. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I'm here, so... Yeah, like, I I've never once sat there and said that Paul Rubin should have waited. You knew what you were there for. Yeah, but he he did an interview for Playboy, and he swears that he's left-handed, and the guy... <laughs> ah, never mind. The glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. <laughs> you must acquit. I've never been upset with him about that anyway, because what do you expect people? I know if you're going like, it's not like he was doing it while watching the Care Bears. Okay. He was (laughs) watching a porno like an adult in an adult theater. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't watching Peter Pan. That would be like getting mad at someone, go putting a quarter in there and touching themselves. Like you can't get mad at that. What do you expect them to do? Like, that's why they're there. That's why they have people clean that up, because they know people are going to do it. And they get paid good money. Well, no. Do they have people to clean the theaters that they showed adult movies in? They have people who clean the popcorn. I assume they'll they'll clean the rest. (laughs) Yeah, they'll clean the extra butter. I always wanted to go to an adult theater, too, but... I just can't picture myself sitting through an hour and a half long porno. I don't have any around that I know of. There used to be the Buckhead Theater in Atlanta, but... Buckethead? Buckhead. <laughs> Did they play... Uh... Was that near Five Points? Uh, You know, I'm not sure where it was because it was there when I was younger and then I never saw it after I got older, so I don't know where it was now. Like, it's a it's a vague memory. Gotcha, because, like, when I was going to a... When I lived near Atlanta, like, uh, I don't remember it, but then again, like I was in my older teenage years, um, but I, I I went to little five points a lot and I uh, like would go to like um, the masquerade and stuff. Oh, man, I used to go to the masquerade every Thursday night for 80s night. Oh, yeah, they had they had some great uh, 80s night. They had industrial goth nights that were really good. I used <laughs> to go there all the time. Masquerade was the best. And I loved when they would do foam. And you're just dancing. Oh, I did a foam thing. Yeah, I did that one. Time. I have so much fun. I so mad I dress nice. So the bold and the beautiful was a big episode for Steve. Although it's like there's no character arc here. Uh, it's it's funny we mentioned many times that the glaring omission here is that Steve's not really bald. Yeah, he's barely losing any hair. Like Al has an argument here, but Steve is literally just paranoid and getting egged on by Al. These club members are irresponsible for allowing him to join. It's like a cult. Maybe they like they just want more members and they can see the like future. A and they're cult. Like a cult. Yeah, fair enough. You're right. <laughs> they want more members with hair, so it makes them look. We got some guys with hair still. But 
I remember some guy gave us crap about this in like our feedback and stuff and said, you guys are harping a little bit too much on the idea that Steve has, Steve really had too much hair to have a, an episode focused on him where he's losing it. I mean, am I crazy? You know what? I've always, we didn't bring this up in the show, but maybe this like whole episode is a, you know, if this episode would have been about a woman who was dealing with her weight where she's not really fat, but she thinks she's fat. Oh. It would have made perfect sense, but because it was a man who was losing his hair who actually wasn't losing his hair, we didn't catch it, but it could be just a statement on someone getting old and how they feel as they get old and how they think they're losing something that they haven't really lost yet, but they know they're going to, and it's like a yeah. pre-paranoia thing. Oh, that's so sad. It's like body dysmorphic disorder almost. Like, you know, he see, maybe when he looks in the mirror, he really does see a bald guy. Right. Beauty is the eye of the beholder, like Twilight Zone taught us. But at the same time, baldness is just baldness. You can't act like there's no hair where there's hair. Like uh, a girl could think, you know, let's just say the, I don't know the, I don't have in front of me the chart, but let's just say like five foot tall, you should be a hundred pounds. If a girl is like a hundred and five pounds at five foot tall, she could see herself as fat. That's not the case, obviously, because let's just say a models, mo- most models are like, let's just say 85 pounds or whatever. So, like, you could have this weird dis- delusional way of seeing things, but it just seems like hair is kind of like, it's either hair or it's like mathematics. You either have hair that Hair today, many- gone tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, but I think it's just him seeing what he wants to see. Because you got to think, throughout the series, Steve often will talk about his good old days or talk about, you know, how every woman used to want him. Look at the episode where um, uh, the foreign exchange student comes and Marcy is telling her story about how she took a chance on a nerd. And Steve doesn't want to (laughs) believe that that's him, but it is him. It's literally that same thing. Like, that is this episode. Right. Yeah, Steve... It's two things. Steve is easily influenced, so that coupon flipped over totally influenced him that he has no hair. Yep. And and two, Steve is unwilling to believe things, just like you said, with Marcy dating a nerd. And who told him that his head looks like a graveyard? His right. buddy Al. His biggest influence. Yep. Yep. So it all makes sense. See, it's amazing. You guys think this is just fluff comedy writing and nobody cares but guess what if you examine this further there is an entire character and story arc that all unfolds and it really is like taking things that would have been common one way and showing it to you in a way that is so uncommon you don't see it because literally like i said this is a a woman in her weight problem except a guy with his hair and it went over our heads because i we never mentioned that when we reviewed it no, never did. Now we can, with a little bit, like, now we understand how deep Married with Children can go and how it can take a very common everyday thing that someone deals with in their everyday life with their family and put it in a way you never thought you would see it before. This The show's genius. Yeah, it's it's so, it's deeper than the writers could have imagined. <laughs> it's like, it, sometimes it does take another look, and... That's why we're glad we're giving it its first look, and this has been a great time and all that good stuff. So one of the things you couldn't see, though, was I'll See You in Court. Uh, I think in 2004 it was first aired on television. Could be wrong, maybe 2002, whatever. Please don't tell me. I don't care. That episode alone 
would lead one to believe that their marriage could get back on track. I mean, the sex is so good that it's like a stadium full of jurors can look at it and unbutton their shirts and undo their ties and they're so turned on by it that uh, it seems like everything's going good for Marcy and Steve at this moment. Yeah, and another thing that we like, we always talk about how unmanly Steve is, but when it comes to sex, he throws it down. Uh, right. Long sessions, multiple times. I mean, he really is the the Peter North here. He's got <laughs> this. <laughs> like, you can talk whatever crap you want about him and tap dancing and all that, uh, but when it comes to the bedroom, he knows what's up. Yeah, but you have to admit, you were disappointed that he did not name his dog after Bell Lugosi. I still uh, get a little sad about it. And that's probably up there with, like, my top three most disappointing moments with Steve. <laughs> number two is is he didn't name Bella after Bella Lugosi. Number, yeah, exactly. number one's the hat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that will be number one. <laughs> that will always be number one. Now, maybe he wouldn't always approve of your fashion choices. <laughs> I don't approve of my fashion choices. So I'd believe it. Yeah, whenever he looks at pictures, he's like, I disapprove of that. I disapprove of that. <laughs> have you have you seen the clothes I wear? Actually, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he does wear a Skeleton Crew shirt once in a while, so that's pretty cool. I I keep waiting for someone to pop in the Skeleton Crew group and be like, I'm selling one of these old school Skeleton Crew shirts because I'm going to be like, I'm buying that bitch. <laughs> Well, uh, guys, let's get to the harder they fall because, to me, that was a big Steve episode because it showed us that Steve could dig deep down and man up and protect his wife and home. Yeah, and the big thing here is uh, Steve, once again, trying to be as manly as Al, and his form of manning up is manning up even though he knows he's going to get his ass kicked, but he still goes and does it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yes, I mean, you know, and it's easy to step up when you know you're going to win. You know, that doesn't take a lot of guts. But if you have a feeling or you're pretty sure you're going to lose this fight, but you stand up anyway, then I think that is what makes you a man. Oh, my God. Jamie just made me realize that this episode is Steve's version of Al's library speech. Okay, let me uh, process that. How do you mean? Because Al sits there and says, I know every day I'm going to wake up and it's not going to get better and my kids suck and my and my wife hates me and it's not going to get better until I go back to sleep again. So even though Al knows he's going to get his ass kicked, he still mans up and deals with it. And this is Steve doing that physically. So Al not putting a gun in his mouth is the equivalent to Steve opening a door and going for the bread basket. Yeah, punching a midget and not shooting yourself in the head. Al and Steve, that's their equality. I have one question about this episode, and that is if he followed them home, like to their house, and we get the idea that they, because they're like, oh, he followed us, he followed us. And then Peggy goes to the front door and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, which call him like a nose rag or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what you found is now what are you going to do? So she's doing all that. Then why is it, and, you know, they see somebody writing down his license plate number. So then why is it necessary for him to trace the license plate number, get Steve's name, call his house, make sure he's home? I mean, he's already been there. And he, and he knows the car that he cut off, right? 
Yeah, you're right. So I guess when Peg looked out there, she would know that it was his car because she spit on it. So she would know. Maybe he well, was spitting that direction, but Steve's window was up. Well, maybe maybe my sister spit on it. Yeah, it was probably it probably was Jen. Uh, <laughs> what, would maybe he's just doing his due diligence to make sure he's absolutely right? He doesn't want to kick I the wrong person's ass. I always do my ass? due diligence before I go hunt somebody down. Yeah. Oh, okay, wait. Let, let's break this down for real, though. He's doing his due diligence to make sure you don't apologize to the wrong guy. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Like, why would you be that diligent if you're just apologizing? Like, if I were going to open the door and, and blow the guy away with a little gun and run off, then okay, I want to get the right Yeah, guy. and I guess that would explain why he left. He left because he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to apologize right now. They're still yelling, so, you know, I'll leave and come back. But during that time, you decided maybe he forgot where it was, but he had the license plate written down for some reason. Maybe. Okay, so why not just tell him down. on the phone? But doesn't Peg snatch the phone and, like, cuss him out? no. Marcy goes to hand him the phone. She's like, Steve, it's for you. And then he gets on the phone and there's nobody there. They hung up. Damn, I got to rewatch this episode now, Jamie. I'm sorry. Listen, let's just get back to the fact that Steve <laughs> opened the door and punched thinking it was a real guy at the door. <laughs> right? What do you mean a real guy? Like, it, it's still a real guy, Alex. Oh. Hold on. I just got a text. Uh, Married with Children podcast has been canceled. From Horophilia? <laughs> yeah, from Horophilia. You're canceled. Because <laughs> I said one thing. Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people on on the cast of this show. I mean, uh, is everybody losing their jobs over that? This is going to be my second time losing my job here. What the hell? <laughs> You're losing your guest spots. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought my guest uh, spots were going to be fantastic. I had four guest spots lined up after this, Alex, and now that's all out the window. Hey, listen, that's why it's bad when Peter Dinklage fans listen to your show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go. So beyond that, there's really no big Steve uh, third season episodes. I mean, he showed us that he's kind of a jerk, though, in Life's a Beach with the whole kids coming out and and claiming uh, whiplash the same way he did. And all that stuff, and the guy thought he was as poor as him, and a hundred bucks was enough. Like, and he's laughing at these poor people. Once again, it's him looking down on people like Al, thinking he's better than them, and getting his karma in the end. Well, how about hot off the grill? It's season four. It's Labor Day, and Marcy's aunt Tooney died, and when Steve finds out. That he's eating a burger that was cooked with the ashes of of Marcy's dead aunt. He gladly takes a bite out of that burger and enjoys it more than... It's the best burger they ever yanked out of a cow times ten. Does that make you a cannibal? Oh, yeah. Wow. For instance, like, say you, like, snorted someone's crushed up femur bone. Like, That's you're damn. still in taking... <laughs> Uh, you're still in, in taking a human body. It's still consuming a human body. Like, if you eat a burger made with human ashes, can you technically call yourself a cannibal? Can you go around and be like, in Germany, I'm famous? I don't, th I mean, the ashes aren't in the burger, so you didn't actually consume. Well, I'll spit out a bone. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we did talk about that being stupid, though. Yeah, we did say it was stupid. 
He went. But you, boom. Well, you got to assume some of that ash would get on the burger. Like, would an ash not float up a little bit from that heat? And maybe get on the maybe. burger. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like, like, I'm sure this isn't the word, but it's what's in my head. So, like, they didn't saute it in human ash or anything, but right. It, it's still like if it was hickory smoked. This is octuny <laughs> smoked. Yeah, that's that's cannibalism right there. Yeah. But I do want to say that uh, this episode will always hold a special – the podcast episode will hold a special place in my heart because I had texted my dad to find out all this Navy stuff, and I'm just like, ah, oh, Tooney would have so, like, went into the back room with you, Dad, because he did the whole <laughs> rubbing the face belly thing in honor of Neptune and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, it turns out what Steve was saying was true about sailors – yeah, <laughs> all that stuff that Steve was talking about that she did with sailors, I, my dad was like, yes, that's 100% true. I like how all Jerry's biggest research moments were Steve quotes. Like, anything Steve said, Jerry had to make sure it was true. No, <laughs> Steve's telling the truth. <laughs> but I, I couldn't be bothered to make sure that they saw or didn't see Santa Claus falling. Yeah, he couldn't be bothered <laughs> to check out if they turned around as he fell. You know what it was? It's because I was wrong about quoting Steve's car that after that, I was just like, I will make sure everything with Steve is right. Ah, amazing. Except that damn hat. The next big Steve episode, I would say, is Buck Saves the Day, where Steve's dying. Uh, he's he's stung by bees. He ate poison oak because he's dumb enough to be tricked by little kids. Uh, in a game, I, I, I assume he invented... Uh, he did a pretty damn good job of singing uh, Green Sleeves. You know, if Steve would have left in season three, that that could have been his last episode. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, no, act, dude, we're in season four. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the be- or, or beginning of season four. Yeah, that was actually the last episode you ever recorded. Aww. Oh, yeah, it was. What was it? Fifty six. We said. Uh, I thought you said sixty five. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm dyslexic. That's what I meant. So 65, wow. And we're at like 73. This is like 74 for real. But it's Now you're going to piss off the people with the learning disabilities on top of the people who are little people. Our reboot just got canceled. I don't want any more of your feedback. Leave me alone. <laughs> Our reboot is kaputs, guys. Unless Netflix picks us up. <laughs> So, uh, so beyond that, the only thing I could cite is like desperately seeking Miss October where Steve is willing to hang a Playboy centerfold on the headboard of the bed while he has sex with his wife staring at this centerfold. Okay, so this is where he's starting to really make bad decisions. Well, I mean, technically, Buck saved his day. He was making really bad decisions, but like making extremely bad decisions because at no point should you put a nude picture on the headboard of your marital bed without (laughs) your wife approving that right how could she have not seen this yeah like how did like how did he get that up like did he like blindfold or something the blindfold (laughs) wiggled off or something uh did they change positions and she saw it what position would they be in where she couldn't see it, but he could? Because, le- yeah, he has to man that the helm, I guess, yeah. to, to make this all work. Because, uh, like, if she's on top, if it's doggy style, if it's missionary, but either way, then he wouldn't be looking at the picture if that was the case. Yeah, because like, if it was 
reverse like if it was like reverse cowgirl there's no way he would have been able to see that picture like well uh the whole thing how he would think he can get away with this countries go under because men think with their penises so you do have to give him that pass things go wrong when guys think with their penis there's a, a song i like by mc lars that's called uh guys do really stupid thing and it's just about guys in history who have done really stupid things for women exactly so that's what this is a case of. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give him a pass, and we'll get to 976 Shoe, where he makes his dumbest decision. Gives Al $50,000 to open up a stupid phone line about shoes uh, just to get to Hawaii, which I think, like, Stephen Marcy seemed to be really well off. And I'm just going to use, like, today's uh, money here when I say this because I'm not going to, like, think about then. Steve could have just spent like three to four thousand dollars and just went to Hawaii. Yeah, he, about fifteen to two thousand back then. Yeah, he could have just taken a loan out for him to go to Hawaii, and it would have been much cheaper. Yeah, he could have paid it back, and that would have been a successful loan. And he could have went to Hawaii again for free. No, no, I don't know. I don't know how much the loans had to be to in order to get. I don't know, like what? Oh, it was an overall dollar amount, probably. Actually, either way. Yeah, why risk your entire livelihood on a trip to Hawaii? Because he's losing it. How stupid. I'm telling you, man, he's losing it. He's losing his grip on reality. Part of it was not just about going to Hawaii, though. Part it, I think it mostly was that competitive edge that he was seeking. To beat you know. Stenson? Yes. What kind of name is Stenson? Oh, sorry. I always assumed Swen- that Swenson. was his last name. Oh, Swenson. Swenson. Okay, well, yeah. I guess Swenson. Is that a little better? Uh, it is, I guess, in the sense that a W is, is better. It's like <laughs> Swanson. Swanson. Samsonite. Like the luggage? You're just saying words. No, no, that's a dumb and dumb well, reference. Jamie, most people say words when they're talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the big one. Uh, oh, what a feeling. We glossed over the whole Steve arc. Then we hit at the zoo. Uh, this whole Bosco thing, and it's just crazy. Steve with these jobs and this terrible decisions to throw a, a turtle into a freshwater lake. So at the zoo, to me, is his version of uh, Al's uh, he thought he could. In the sense that we get this news story about him doing something ridiculous that will make the entire city hate them. <laughs> Were my property values low enough? Yeah, when I was watching it, I was just like, this is almost identical to he thought he could. Right. Except they couldn't afford to show uh, the footage in black and white because they couldn't <laughs> afford to shoot it the first time. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine Steve standing at Lake, what was it, Lake Michigan or something and throwing the turtle? Like, I would love footage of that, but like we said, it might be cooler just to imagine it in your own mind. Yeah, plus I don't want to, like, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust. I don't want to see turtles in distress. <laughs> uh, I'm good, so I don't want to see Steve doing it. And I think it's funnier to just have Steve in his reptile outfit bleeding out of his lip uh, from Marcy knocking him out. Right. Um, it is better. But it just it works so well because this is Steve losing it. Like not even wanting to work. Not he does not want to work. He doesn't he is slowly diminishing. It's 
It's almost as if the owl effect on him has like overridden his sanity. He, he, like, I have this whole theory that the uh, struggle within his mind of being the person he wants to be versus the person that Al wants him to be versus the person that Marcy wants him to be just completely breaks him. And he starts making bad decisions. He's letting kids put stuff in his mouth. He's putting up porno images on his marital bed. He's uh, losing a job because of someone touching his bird because the bird liked him, okay? Don't think they didn't notice. Like, who says that? Like, even I'm over here like, man, you wearing that hat was starting to look like a good idea, Steve. I'm really starting to worry. Like that's the least of his problems. Like and his his um exit of this show is so abrupt. They they didn't have enough time to write anything proper, so they just kind of like literally at the end of it, we're just kind of writing these really crazy things, and then they were just like, okay, we're done. But my point is, does he not seem like he is losing his sanity? He's trying to figure out who he wants to be from three people's versions of himself. Yeah, I I honestly just thought that uh, since they didn't eat meat, that he just got a bad cut of beef, and he had mad cow's disease or something, and he was just going insane. Well, you know who got him to eat meat? Al. So that's still because of Al. So it's still Al who sets this onslaught forward. And that's the thing. If Steve would have never met Al, he would have never have chased his dreams, but he would have also still been married. So I don't know. Married to a chicken, walk chickens in a forest. I mean, which one do you want? (laughs) Just think if, well, you could have sex with one of them, but just think. (laughs) I'm not saying we can play. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, wasn't that like a, a House of uh, Thousand, Thousand Corp- Corpses uh, Part 2 joke? Yeah. What was it? Uh, it was Devil's Rejects yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I I don't know. It's like, it's amazing to think that if he moved next door to anybody else, he'd be married for possibly 25, 35 years till he died. Yeah, what if he had moved next to the Winslows or the Jeffersons or, you know, like right. some other normal uh, family? I think he'd be married. I think Al, and that's the comedy in it, that we got to think that, like, how funny is it that Al and his influence, because, you know, like, there are things that happen on this show where we really got to pull back and go, listen, it's a sitcom, we got to laugh with this, you know, like, I had a problem when Al was going to jail and nobody cared, and then I got to say to myself, listen, you're watching a sitcom, I know that you're invested in these characters and all, but, you know... They still have to do a joke here, and it, it still has to be funny, yeah. and heartlessness is funny. Y'all on the podcast uh, were not happy with his speech about uh, quitting. Yes, so let's get to a taxing problem. I gotta say, I enjoyed that speech. I don't think it was the great—like, obviously it wasn't gr- the greatest thing ever. Um, oh, yeah, take into consideration, this is his last—the last thing he filmed for the show. Yeah, um— for his last thing he filmed for the show, it I, it's not amazing, but it does work with my theory that he's going crazy. And I do think him uh, ignoring Al's problems is not something new. He's done that before. But this one, it was just like Al's telling you something so drastic 
and you're over here talking about them noticing that uh, the bird liked you. Like, it's it's crazy. I actually got a YouTube reply over that that I found pretty interesting. Yes, guys, we are available on YouTube. If you... Interestingly, if you look up the um, if you look up the episode, like if you look up we an episode online, uh, our YouTube channel pops up on Daily Motion. Really? Oh wow! Wait, on Daily Motion? Yeah, like um, because is someone have... posting you on Daily Motion? I don't know if it's actually on Daily Motion or if it just is listing it as part of the video. Like, because I'm on Daily Motion when I'm, and then it'll be like the third or fourth one down. It'll be like the Married with Children podcast. And I'm like, whoa, is that us? And. Well, I know someone's stealing our audio and video and p- reposting us on YouTube for like these weird hits that they. Yeah, wanna... people do that. Yeah. Okay. But here's what this guy said. Uh, His name is Marvin. He wrote, Steve's exit from the show really feels wrong. He was likable. And it gets worse when his character becomes reduced to an asshole in in the few episodes where he's a guest. I mean, come on. Dean Rhodes in that spinoff attempt is a total prick. But I also think that Steve's attitude in this episode makes sense. He doesn't care anymore about the Bundys and Marcy. He wants to start a new life. It makes a lot of sense to me how he's going to leave. So, I said to the guy, yeah, I guess that's true. It seemed forced while we were watching it, but if he was really making an exit in his headspace, I could see him just really not caring about anyone or anything anymore. He knew he was about to jump ship and leave the chicken. You know, he was about to leave Marcy it, it, it couldn't have been just like a, a thing he thought of that, you know, in one precise moment and made a life decision. This must be like he the way Marcy was harping on him to get a job and this and that and be something he's not and have this quest for money. He probably just wanted to get out and it was all and he just didn't care about anything at this point, especially Al or anybody or whatever. He was so zoned in on what he truly wanted to be, because think about it, the psychology of Steve's character, Al influenced him to be something he thought he wanted to be. Al never mentioned the outdoors, although he did support the fishing idea and the lodge idea, but he never truly grasped Steve's dream. And Steve was more set on his midlife crisis because he's obviously approaching 40. He wants to be something. He wants to live a certain life that he has not been living or being all this time. So any obstacle in his way, he kind of just pushed to the wayside and dismissed. And that included Al and Marcy and anybody else. And he had a vision. So that would make sense why he couldn't even be bothered to care that his quote-unquote only friend or whatever you want to call it, best friend, whatever you want to call it, is going to prison. Yeah, no, it it completely does make sense. At that point, he really does not care about anything. And on the writer's side, they didn't have much of an – like obviously, yeah, this exit for Steve is not the best exit. But they didn't have much of a choice. Steve bought out his, well, I'm sorry, David Garrison bought out his contract. He did not legally have to finish the season. He came to an agreement with them. He bought out his contract. 
I don't know why he didn't want to just go ahead and finish the season. I don't know how much they had to rewrite. I don't know how much they had to pay it off. But obviously he was so sure about it that he was willing to back it up with money. And you know what's weird is I tried to find like a bit more information, but all that's really out there is that he wanted to go back to, to the stage and he bought out his contract and they left on peaceful terms. Yeah. Why the rush? Oh, they apparently uh, they gave him a portrait, uh, they, they, a picture, a portrait picture in a frame of him from uh, at the uh, at the zoo at the zoo with him holding his uh, placard board, the jail picture, and they signed it, and it was, and I can't remember what it said, but the last line of it had some had the f word in it, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, gotta starve. Yeah, so that showed that it was on good terms and whatever they were sad to see him go, but. He can't stand in the way of a man in his dreams. Hey guys, want to represent the Married Children podcast? Go to tpublic.com. T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. Just go to the search bar and type in Married With Children Podcast. They have everything you need to rep your favorite podcast. Tank tops, long sleeve shirts, baseball t-shirts, crew necks, hoodies, they even have these in kid sizes. Phone cases for all different styles and sizes. Laptop case. Stickers. Wall art. Notebooks. Mugs. Pillows. Tote bags. Travel mugs. You name it. They got it all, guys. And for great prices, go to tpublic.com for all your Married with Children podcast representational needs. The fact that he has a hots for Kelly, whether he knows it or not. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was great. Much better ending than this would have been with the taxing problem. Neither one of them stellar. Neither one of them uh, deserving of what he's done over the years and what he's brought to the show and all that kind of good stuff. I do have to say I do wish they were switched because the other one would have worked better with the fact that he just ups and disappears. That he don't care about Al's problems. Yeah, and and so the next episode he just disappears but this shows that he stuck around for a little bit after that and i do to enough that he came over to watch a fight with al and to me that never that doesn't sit right like it just doesn't make sense with him like just leaving a note the next episode well yeah he doesn't there's no indication in that episode whatsoever that he's going anywhere you know he's hanging he's hanging out it's just normal yeah, him not caring about Al indicates it. Isn't it interesting how, in a way, his character parallels his real life in that you just can't stand it. And Jerry, you said it. You just, I think it was Jerry. Uh, you just can't stand, or maybe it was Alex. You can't stand in the way of a man in his dreams. And, uh, you know, Steve didn't want to live that life anymore. He wanted to, you know, do whatever. I mean, I guess he wanted to... Travel like and get in get in adventures like Kane from Kung Fu. David Garrison had these dreams and he wanted to. He just said, "I'm this is it. I'm doing it." And he made the decision and he did it. So it's kind of similar in a way. Yeah, it actually is. His character parallels his real life that he had a dream to become a ranger or or whatever, and you know live in you know be, be a wilderness guy with the animals or whatever. And uh, his real life wanted to be live on stage and do different characters over and over. And neither one of them could be stopped. One left the show and uh, the other left the show, I guess. (laughs) I guess I can't ask you guys 
was it the best thing for the show or anything like that? Amanda Burr seems to think so because, and I think the whole cast believes so, and I believe so, it was the best thing because at this point, the show needed a recharge. It needed something to refresh it, and it needed like a burst of energy, and and Jefferson was that guy. Well, I was about to say it's better than them bringing in a random kid toward the end to refresh things, but <laughs> never mind. They actually do that. So, yeah, the, yeah. The, within uh, one full season, two full seasons. Yeah. After two full seasons of Jefferson, they feel they need another recharge, which they did not need. And you find that out within about uh, six episodes of that recharge. But, you know, I got to say in closing that Steve is a character that's very close to my heart. He uh, represents the best era of the show to me. I do love season five. Um, however, uh, most of two, three, and four are the golden years. Five, I think, is also the tail end of the golden years. But, you know, obviously Steve's in most of the other stuff. Just a personal story real quick. I remember back before... Uh, everything was available on DVD and this and that. I, you know, I recorded a lot of married children. I don't know how many tapes I filled up, but I remember going to some website or whatever, and there was a guy selling married children tapes, like VHS tapes. And I remember contacting him because only an idiot has beta. <laughs> exactly, because you know you can't even watch Schwarzenegger if you're only have beta. I said to him, you know, well, how much are these, whatever, and he tells me. So I go, well, what what episodes are, have Steve in them? And he said, well, one through three, and then he leaves halfway through four. So I go, okay, just just send me season one through four. And that's that was my interpretation of, of like, the greatest Married with Children stuff. So before the DVDs became available, and only besides my own personal tapes, I chose to watch the Steve episodes. And that is not a slight at Jefferson. That doesn't mean I don't love the next, you know, six or whatever. I, I can't do the math. Six or seven seasons. It just means that these were the golden years to me, and it's sad to see him go. And now I do feel bad about it, and it's weird that there's going to be, like, a gap between him and Jefferson. He was great. I love what he brought to the show. Uh, so what are, what are your guys like closing statements about like your experiences overall with Steve's, uh, era of the show? Steve to me always represented me in the show just because like, he's not full on manly. I'm not, I'm not extremely manly or masculine or anything like that. And Steve was a good representation of that. So yeah, in the show, we made jokes about that with me, but it, it rings true. I love Steve for that. I love Steve for being different and being that just uh, like that opposing nature against Al. There, it was it was a great dichotomy they had. Like Al being this manly man, this classic uh, John Wayne style guy, and then Steve being this new age like. Uh, I'm all for women voting kind of thing. It was always fantastic to me. And I think I'm sad to see Steve go just because I feel like there was more they could have done with the differences between Steve and Al. And I'm also sad to have to watch Bud hit on Marcy because that's weird. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I cuckoo kachu, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> but while Jefferson is funny in his own right, and there's things that like he kind of encourages Al, and they kind of like create their own bubble. Uh, Steve was always kind of pushing that bubble, and it was always a pull and tug whether he was going to be closer to Al or closer to Marcy on any given topic. And I always liked that. I always, I always loved that. And, and it pains me to see Steve go because I love Steve. If someone said, Jerry, you get one season of Married with Children to watch forever, what season would it be? I would have a hard time between season two and season three. I think I might lean towards season three. But it would be between those, and a lot of it's because of Steve's. They're just great times with Steve. There are great story arcs between him and Al, and his ultimate um, demise of losing his sanity and going and chasing his dream because Al got him to eat Mad Cow disease steak is something truly epic that we only got to see once in a sitcom and can never be replaced. You will never get another Alan Steve in sitcoms. Getting to come back and talk to you about Steve was amazing. I, uh, and I just want to remind everyone to find your inner Steve and let it out. Now, Jamie, your perspective is uh, unique because you did not get to review many of the Steve episodes. Um, so maybe you could kind of reflect on that if there's a sense of, oh, that's kind of, that sucks or, you know. Well, it um, it does. And I am a fan of McGinley on the whole, uh, mainly because of Revenge of the Nerds. Like, that was what I knew him from. That's why I loved him. And so his role as Jefferson was always kind of weird to me. Like, just like he just seemed so scummy. I don't know. I missed Steve. I always thought that the seasons with Steve were the better seasons. And even though yet there are some really funny moments to come and there are some really funny Jefferson moments, he always just left this weird taste in my mouth. And that, that sounded wrong. <laughs> that that and also, what are we in for for the next... Uh, <laughs> now you're talking my language. 190 shows. Yeah, I always did miss Steve. It didn't, didn't quite sit right with me that he was gone. I just don't think it was... I don't think the show was the same after that. Obviously, it wasn't. But I, I don't think that the... Everyone's dynamic seemed to shift. And I happened to... Like, you know, some of my favorite episodes, like we just talked about one of them, and then there was one in season three, I think. Um, but overall, like, I really enjoyed season two. Like, on the whole, I think season two was a really good season. Now, here's the thing. I haven't watched any of the later episodes in a while. It's been a, it's been a long time since I've seen the later seasons of this show. So I'll be interested to see what I think of it now. Yeah, I think you're going to have a good time with it. Just um, going off uh, what I thought of it back then, I still had a good time with it. I still loved the show, but I never quite got over Steve leaving. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. We have a period in between. I think it's cool because Marcy dates like random guys, and that's kind of funny to watch. You know, it's a new dynamic. Um, 
seeing how desperate she is and the kind of losers she picks up and how wrong that goes. So that's pretty cool. After that, he got Ted McGinley uh, rejoining the show uh, like he did in The Bundy for Life. But this time he is permanent and he is Jefferson Darcy. So that'll be interesting. But like I said, it's a long way off. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Jerry Herring joining us really uh, made this show complete. Uh, We're sorry Dan couldn't make it. He's still on the search for Jefferson, but it is, um, you know, we really do appreciate you coming on, man, and giving your insight and the research you did and all that kind of stuff. And if you could, you know, uh, everybody wants to hear, Jerry, as we wrap it up, your five favorite Steve episodes. Can you please tell us what they are? I guess number one is impotent, right? Is that uh, Yes, but I'll start at number five. Okay. Now, I w- first of all, I want to have – I have two honorable mentions, and that's the poker game and the camping show. Both great. I love those episodes. I do not feel like they're Steve-centric enough to, to make the list. Number five, at the zoo. Uh, this is the, the perfect ending for him. It's him going crazy, and I loved it. Uh, number four, they the harder they fall. <laughs> uh, you just can't get over him punching someone who's not real, according to Alex. <laughs> uh, number three is I'll See You in Court. That courtroom speech, oh, flawless. Perfect. Horrible. Uh, number two, The Razor's Edge. This is, of course, his first uh, battle against Marcy and the first, like, real, like, this is when you really see, like, Al cheering him on, mostly because Al wants to either piss off Marcy or Al just likes to cheer on any guy who's doing something he feels is manly against a wife. And then number one is Impodent, because that is Steve and Al coming together and, and being successful and Steve really showing the influence coming through. And Steve, at that end, when Steve is on the couch and the twist is revealed, is just amazing. <laughs> it really is. It's shocking every time. Even though I know the ending, I get caught up in their conversation leading up to that. Or I get caught up in the whole show leading up to, to that conversation on the couch, uh, the end reveal. And I keep forgetting that that's what i'm going to learn next so it's just really well crafted great uh pick for number one steve episode and right before we go i just do want to touch on since you know it is steve's departure how do you guys feel about steve leaving a note instead of having a face-to-face confrontation and or a big grand finale show um, well, they couldn't have a big grand finale show because the actor didn't allow them. But I will say going back to the razor's edge, 
him leaving a note was his only way that he could actually chase his dream because he knows if he actually tried to stand up to Marcy, he would lose. He would ultimately lose because at the end of the day, he does love her and he doesn't know. he like. But he now realizes that he loves his dream more and because of Al is going to chase that dream. So the only way he could do it is is to leave a note and or he's actually went insane. One of the two. I just wonder why he left his uh, pants and stereo at the house, but okay. She's going to cut the crotches out of all of his pants and... Uh... I thought it was pretty ballsy of him to ask her to, sh- to crate and ship his stereo. Like, yeah, I will piece by piece. Yeah, that's, that's odd. Uh, you, normally you just pack, you know, if, if it was me, as soon as Marcy left at work, I'd start packing and I'd be gone by 3 o'clock. But okay, he has his own methods. Well, like I said, he's not in the right headspace, man. He's gone a little little crazy. His midlife crisis took a large dip. Yeah, he thought he could just walk out the front door and just say, hey, ship me everything and shut up. But okay, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, what do you think, Jamie, about... Uh, okay, so can we... Do you have any other information on this whole thing that Steve wouldn't allow a final episode? It's just that he, because he bought out his contract, he did not have to do... He didn't have to do any kind of finale or anything like that. That's why we really didn't get one. The whole one. thing just seems weird. If 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 I were him, I would have wanted an episode devoted to my leaving. I mean, I, does it not just smack of weirdness? I do. No, no, I agree with you. I think there is something that was never said, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened. No one does, apparently, because no one's ever said it. He, it couldn't have been something so bad that, you know, they wanted to air that dirty laundry. There was enough respect for him to do. I think he had to have like a show lined up that he was like, I have to leave immediately to go to. Yeah, but we proved he didn't unless it was the other TV work. But Alex, here's the thing. It could have been a a smaller show that wasn't like maybe he did a bunch of smaller stuff or he was behind the scenes or the show was canceled and he didn't get to go do whatever that play was. Like maybe. because it can't be something horrible because if it, we all know if it's something bad, that dirty laundry will get aired out at some point. Well, also, and if it was something horrible, they wouldn't have invited him back. Exa- well, I, well, there were so many different people working at that time that it, it might have happened. Well, here's the thing. If you do something bad and it gets aired out, but everyone eventually like forgives, you know, you can come back um, yeah. like that. Like that does happen. So I guess if it would have done. Oh, yeah, we know that. (laughs) So, but I my theory is, is that he was going to go do a show that he really wanted. Maybe it was something they were going to He like someone handed him something on a plate. He just could not say no to. But the time constraint mean he had to do it right then. Maybe it was a lead role or something like that for a stage play he really wanted to do. And that's why it never happened. And. That's why he's still left on good terms because it's everyone being like, go chase your dreams, go do it, go do that. But there's, I just don't think it was anything bad. Like, I don't think he was getting in fights with anyone or anything. Yeah. From the writer's perspective and the show's um, uh, longevity uh, uh, interest, I think that they downplayed it because it's better for the show. Like, if you act like something's really devastating and can cripple a show, then people will believe it. That's a good point. Yeah, like, if you just act like, ah, the, the geek is leaving me, and then Peg 
sells that idea to us by acting like, who cares? Pretend he died. You can't tell me you never pretended he died. So she's already moved on in her mind. Even though Peg should even be devastated. Like, wow, are you serious? Like, Steve's never going to be here again? That's kind of weird. But she even has moved on and found ways that Marcy could cope with it by just, you know what? You don't need him. Pretend he died. You know, and then even saying, you can't tell me. So now we're invested in whether or not, whether or not Marcy ever pondered this or not. Whether instead of the idea that Steve's gone. Now we're already moved on to these thoughts and how they're handling it and what they ever thought before. And we and they like subconsciously tricked us into thinking, yeah, the Steve leaving thing is no big deal. We could just blah, blah, blah and think of this or do that, you know, and that could be what they did. Obviously, it, it is. But like we don't know, like uh, Jerry said, maybe Steve bought out too much of his contract and they couldn't find they, the writers couldn't do it in time. Uh, obviously they didn't write the greatest thing in taxing problems. So maybe they just couldn't write a big grand finale. Like, eh, you know what? We can't do this. We have, we, we still have, you know, six more episodes to fill at, you know, let's just say at the time they told him he's leaving or eight episodes. So we couldn't even, we already have the first six written and the next two, we had an idea to do this and that. So we, we just got to kind of have him leave. I mean, I don't know what you guys expect from us, you know, because things are time constraints. Who knows? Who really knows? The only way to find this out is to maybe re-interview Amanda Burse. Maybe she'll fill us in on that kind of nitty gritty. Or if we get David Garrison himself. I think that's the only way to truly find out the answer. Either way, thank you. Great show. Uh, the, the patrons of our show truly deserve this. They're great people supporting the show. If you're new just to hear the show, thank you. Uh, stick around. We have some great stuff coming up in the summer. We're going to review, we're gonna review uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, as well as uh, some other things I have in mind. So uh, please support the show, guys. It's tough doing this, and we need your support. We give you a free weekly show. Um, so if uh, you could be so generous, stick around, and we'll have more exclusives to come promise and thank you to jerry a huge thank you for being willing to come back and join us for this i know that people are really interested in hearing his take on steve's leaving because everyone knows how much jerry loved steve so i'm also and i'm very glad to have you here i am i am glad to be back and for the uh, married children fans um Anytime Steve comes back if scheduling will allow it i will be trying my best to get on that episode I'll probably be humping Alex's leg to make that happen. And uh, if I ever randomly decide to make some random marriage with children thing, I'll give it to Alex to give to you, uh, all the Patreon people uh, as a just a bonus, because I'm assuming if you're on Patreon, you probably know who I am at this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're that invested if uh, they don't know who you are. Yeah, so uh, and I'm glad to be back. I was so excited when Alex was like, hey, we're going to do this. Can you be here? And I'm like, yes. 100%, I will make it happen. And I've been looking forward to it all week just because I love married children and I had just so much in my personal life I had to deal with that I had to step away. And I'm glad that I can at least every once in a while come back and get to talk married with children with Alex, who I spent 65 episodes with. And of course, I love getting to record with Jamie because this is only like the second time I've gotten to record with you. 
I think that's right, yeah. Because, like, every time I was on Skeleton Crew, you weren't there. I wasn't there, that's right. I blame Alex. Oh, no, uh, she wasn't there for the uh, Jason Goes to Hell? She, that was the only time I got to Oh, no, tw- so I got to record twice on and Skeleton the Crew. classic part. Okay, so twice. Oh, that's right, 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 right. No, wait, is that three times in? Holy shit, Jason... Classic, and then the in the, the last Skeleton Crew episode, the last one. Yeah, I take it back, Jamie. I don't know why I thought I only recorded it well, with you once. Uh, you know, this. I <laughs> I was right there with you, so don't feel bad because huh. I all that Skeleton Crew just blended together. Yeah, <laughs> probably because I had to wake up so early to record it. But uh, in case y'all don't know, uh, I was a huge fan of the Skeleton Crew. Well, I still am a huge fan of Skeleton Crew. It's my favorite horror podcast. So I'm glad to have. Jamie, Alex, and Dan back together, and I'm always glad to be able to record with them. With that being said, thank you both for having me. Uh, I hope I get to come back and do some more stuff with y'all, and um, hopefully I'll have y'all come on Kill the Cast sometime soon. I gotta do an interview show with both of you again, because I gotta redo Alex's, and then I just need to have one with you, Jamie. Aw, I would love to. I would love to. That's an OJ quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, and we're going to do a transfer show as, as well. So yes, cool. one day we, we, we got to do our transfer. Our transfer. <laughs> we'll transfer over to the transfer. Yeah, the transfer trilogy. Definitely soon. Hopefully this summer. Uh, yep, guys. So that was Steve. We know him. We love him. We went in depth with him for all this time, a year and a half on our show. Uh, it's been a great ride with Steve. Thank you, brother. Great job as uh, Steve. David Garrison did a great job. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Uh, Thank you again, patrons of the show. And we will be back uh, to our regularly scheduled program. Tune in, of course, later. (laughs) 